This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. It will be an opportunity for us to grow together, friends. Let me just get my order of papers here. There we go. Friends, we've had such a sweet, sweet time in God's presence today opportunity for us to worship Him together. I think us, we just need to open our hearts. Holy Spirit, we thank You for Your presence here. Thank You that You've been speaking to us already, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, right now as I'm sharing and just the next part of our identity series, Lord Jesus, that we would be aware of what You are wanting to say to us. We would align ourselves in increasing measure with Your identity that You've given us. You've called us to be your people. You've set us apart. And Lord, it's no coincidence, it's no accident that we are here today. I know that it's no coincidence or accident that we are listening to this message today. I pray, Lord, that it would be life to us, Lord, that we would hear what you're saying and that we would also be obedient to what you are highlighting to us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So have you been enjoying our identity campaign, the series so far? Have you been enjoying it? Have you been coming on uh, Wednesday nights? We've been having small groups uh, here at the church. If you haven't joined the group, please join us straight after the church today at about 11.30. We're going to have some groups here as well. So if some of you are struggling with uh, transport and getting out here on a weekly basis, you know, during the week, uh, you are welcome to stay afterwards. There'll be some coffee and tea. We'll meet up together. I really want to encourage you to engage with us. We've just been hearing so many testimonies of uh, people's lives being impacted. Uh, one person in particular said that, you know, she had visited our church, sat in a row for quite some time, uh, listened and was like, yes, this is very nice, but I don't really know if I could belong to a church like this. Because, you know, I look a bit different to some of the people that are around here, and I'm not so sure how all this stuff works. Is this really a place for me, you know? And she joined us for our very first week just sharing around the table, finding yourself not just sitting in a row, but actually coming into a circle, getting to know other people that are part of the church, connected here. And it was so wonderful for me to hear uh, her say that, that it was so good for her to be able to hear other people's stories, be able to share some of her own experiences. And in doing so, she realized, wow, I belong here. Yeah. I belong here because there are people that love me, and there are people that I can love. And I want to encourage you and I to, to engage with that. Um, today's message, I'm looking at uh, the fact that you and I are called to be, uh, what part of our identity is that I am a servant and he is my master. If you have, have you got your book, it's going to be at page um, eight. And then on page nine, um, we are going to, you'll see the notes for this coming week's small group uh, discussion. And it's going to be, we're going to be looking at the fact that, or how you and I can serve God more effectively. So last week, Murdoch did an amazing job of introducing us to the Father, helping us to see that our identity is that we have a Father in heaven who loves us and that we are His children. We've been adopted into His family. He accepts us. He loves us. He restores us, and He brings us into His purposes and plans. I just realized, I, again, I need to remind the youth, if you want to go through to Dallin, Dallin, are you here? There we go. He's still sitting there. Every time, we well, should wave, my friend. If the youth want to go through uh, to, to Dallin, uh, for your, your, if you're between the ages of 13 and 18, 
in high school, you were welcome to go through to the lounge there. There we go. They were chomping at the bit, ready to go. And here I'm like holding them captive. Yeah, check it. Can we just encourage our youth? Look at how many of them there are here. Wow, friends. I also want to just commend the parents that have been bringing your children to church. I know many teenagers are like, yeah, I want to sleep in Sunday. And many parents can say, okay, uh, it's fine. I'll, I'll give in. But if, if that's something we value, I think it's an amazing uh, aspect. And so... If we look at our, our uh, topic for today, we're going to be looking at this reality that you and I are called to be servants. We're not just children of God, but we're also servants. Now, this is sort of, if we, if we had a coin, on the one side it would be my identity is I'm a child of God, but on the other side is that I'm also a servant of God. It's two sides of the same coin. It's an outworking of being a part of a family. But you and I am trusting today, as I share with us, that we would not be so caught up in some of the obstacles because I know when you and I hear the word, I'm a servant and he is my master, maybe even if, as you're writing that down, I don't know what emotions are coming up in your heart and mind. Um, in the world that we live in today, it's such a contrary idea. The world is all about getting up in the world. It's all about me first, being in control. I don't just want to be the employee, I want to be the boss. I want to call the shots. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I remember being on holiday uh, with Ainsley many years ago now. We had the privilege of going to Australia to visit her family. And uh, her family, her aunt actually blessed us to go out to the Great Barrier Reef to go snorkel. What an experience. That was like terrible boat ride there and back. But by the time you get there, you're amazed, you know. And the, and the, the master diver who, who was, you know, instructing everybody, I was having a chat with him, and he's like, oh, you, 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 from, you guys are from South Africa. It's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, yes, you guys, you've got a problem, mate. You guys have got real problems. I'm from New Zealand, and I'm working in Australia. And what I've noticed about you guys, you South Africans, is that you guys all, you have the slave master mentality. I'm like, wait a minute. He's like, yeah, I, ha I had his manager. was a South African. And he would expect me to be at work on time. He would tune me on things. I'd say to him, hey, but I'm my own boss. You're not my boss. I'm, I'm not your slave. You're not my master. And I'm thinking, hey, but that doesn't sound like, I, I can see that we as South Africans have that kind of mentality. We're hardworking. We're, we have an innate sense of what is right and wrong, fairness, etc. But it's amazing for me to see in the world today, we fight against it. We wrestle against it. We say, you will not take control of me. You will not tell me what to do. And so I know that there are some, perhaps some general reasons why we struggle with this idea, especially of God as master. And maybe some of the, them might ring true to you. The, the first one is that you and I may have had some negative experiences with authority figures in our lives. We've had a boss or a parent, or a teacher, or a principal that treated us badly and diminished our value. And as a result of that, we are like, I will not submit under anyone or anything, any person. So when I come to God, and you, 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 what Gareth is telling me, I'm a servant of God, God's my master, I'm going to push against that. Perhaps you have a a drive towards autonomy or independence. That's something that's a big, big part of our lives today. You know, I've got my truth, you've got your truth, and you're not going to tell me what to do. Autonomy means that I'm self-sufficient, I don't need anyone. Independence says I'm going to make things 
happen my way. Frank Sinatra taught us nicely about that. Some of us, I think this really stems from a misunderstanding of God's character. And I'm trusting, I want to encourage you, if you missed last week's message, you've got to firstly see God as Father and loving God. A God who wants to give, because that's what dads do. Good dads give. Good dads seek the benefit of those who he loves. And so, but also, good dads also require responsibility from their children. And he entrusts things to his children because that's what it means to mature, to grow up. God doesn't want us to stay in nappies, drinking milk all day, being waited on hand and foot, but actually wants us to grow into maturity where we are in greater dependence upon him, but we're also learning to be responding in greater obedience to him. And that's really what it is all about. Some of us feel like we've, we're fearful of restrictions. This don't bind me up. Um, some of us also have some cultural ideas. Like I said, South Africans and Australians or New Zealanders, we have very different ideas when it comes to leadership and authority structures. And some of us might have that lens. So when you hear God is master, you're pushing back against it. And so I want us to, to grow in our understanding of who God is as we embrace that. And I, I want to encourage you, if you have a reluctance to submit or to trust God, I'm trusting that today's message is going to help you and I to walk with God. Because this idea of being a servant is all over the scriptures. Remember, our series is really based on the book of Ephesians, especially the first chapter. And the, the writer Paul, who was a in himself a very well-known, well-schooled, if it was somebody that had abilities that could take care of himself, it was Paul. But he describes himself in more than, like probably about 10 occasions, so that describes himself as Paul as a servant of Christ. We see this in Romans chapter 1 verse 1. He says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1 verse 1, as he starts, he's introducing himself. The first thing he says, this is who I am, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Lastly, we see in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7, again he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace. You and I need to understand that this is the role that we play in the big scheme of things. And I think it's really interesting for me to see how throughout the Bible, this is a, 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 a topic that's being, you know, or an identity that's been made known to us in so many ways, but also our willingness or desire to conform to the patterns of this world, wanting to elevate ourselves, is also found in the Bible because the characteristics of, of even the disciples, Jesus' close people, he handpicked these guys, went up on a mountain, prayed all night, and came back and said, you guys are going to be my disciples, you're going to be with me. Imagine that. So God handpicked these guys, and this is their response. Actually, not their response. Maybe it was, but they, they had a very good strategy. Now, if you ever want to get something done, ask your mom. Have you ever heard that, realized that? If you, if you need something from your dad, you know, mama, let's talk to a little bit, and then speak, speak to daddy, speak to daddy. He's going to, that's where the, the key is, you know, like they say the husband is the head of the home, but the wife is the neck, and she can turn the head anywhere she wants to. <laughs> 
so these boys are very clever, and, and there are two boys in particular, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, sons of, sons, sons of thunder. And their mother comes to Jesus in, uh, in Matthew chapter 20, and, and she says, Jesus, can I quickly have a word with you? I've just been thinking, it would be really nice. My boys, they are such good guys. You know, I've raised them so well. And I just want to put in, I don't want to tell you what to do, but I, I would love to just make a request. Because of their track record, and, and you know, my cooking, and my ability to, to serve you, I'm also helping out, you know. I just want to put a request. Can my two sons, my two boys, please sit on the right hand and the left hand of you in your kingdom? When you are now exalted as king, and in their minds they were still thinking earthly kingdom, can these two boys be number one and number two next to you? And Jesus responds very interestingly. But it's, it's funny though that the other disciples, it says in that passage that they were very upset. They were indignant. Not at the fact that his mom had asked that question, but because they themselves wanted to ask that question and she beat them to it. They wanted to have those spots, and now, man, James and John's mom, you know, they, she steps in, she beat them to the punch. She, they're able to, to uh, you know, ascend to this new place. But Jesus says the following in his response. He says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Friends, the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. It does not work the same way we think it works. If we want to excel in the goodness and the mercy and the purposes of God in our lives, we want to see God's presence, power flow through our lives. It is based on our willingness to serve to lay down our lives for the sake of others. And remember, this whole series, we, we had these two circles the first week. The first circle represented the fact that um, this is, the first circle is all that God believes and knows. The second circle was all that I, you and I believe about ourselves, our truth. These two truths need to begin to come closer together, and we begin to fill that gap. And I know for some of us, your truth at the moment says, I've got to fend for myself, I've got to make, I've got to climb the ladder, I've got to do what I need to do. But God's truth says, the way up is down in the kingdom of God. Now, I did say that we were going to learn something with the ladder today. Now, for all of us, the world says, okay, you want to, you, you want to, you want to get ahead in life, study hard. Work hard, make sure that um, you, you're very diligent, make sure you get the right connections happening, faithful, stay late, come in early, kiss up to the boss, bring in muffins and coffee, and eventually you go and, and then work really hard for years and years, neglect your family, don't go to church on Sunday, but work in those extra hours because you need to grow, you need, you need, to, you need to get up there, you need to get up on the ladder. Now, many of you guys are checking your faces right now. As the higher I'm going, many of you are going, isn't somebody going to hold this thing? 
I, I want you to see the picture here, friends. The higher we climb, the more precarious or dangerous it becomes for us. The, more, the higher I go, the more I've got to really think about, am I holding on? Is this thing going to hold? Is it all sorted? Because if I shake it, oof, I've got to hold. I've got to get it ready. I've got to be ready if something happens. The world says climb the ladder because then you'll be more secure. You'll be more famous. You'll have access to more. But in God's kingdom, it's not like that. God's kingdom says, no, submit yourself under the mighty hand of God. Allow His purposes and plans to prevail in your life. Serve one another with gladness and sincere hearts. When you are at work, when you're looking for opportunities to give to people, don't look for your own selfish gains, but actually look for the interests of others. Because as we do that, what happens? Oh, my word. My life's quite stable. I don't have to worry. I'm, I'm built upon a firm foundation. And I don't have to try my best to try and hold on to the little bits that I've gained. Because I realize that whatever I've ga- gained didn't come from me. It came from the hand of a gracious father. So friends, I want you to keep that picture in mind. The way up in the kingdom is down. The way into God's presence, into His purposes, is our willingness to serve. Now, what's interesting for me to see is that in the world today, this idea of servant leadership and serving and giving has now finally started to catch on within the corporate world. What is amazing for me to see is that there, there, there's an there's a organizational psychologist named uh, Adam Grant, who actually wrote the book. I, I, it's one of, probably one of my favorite books I've ever read. Really, I want to highly recommend it, okay? And in this book, Adam went and he studied. They did surveys of, I don't know how many, like 38 different tests that they did with like 15,000 people that they surveyed. Looking at people and asking them this question, in the workplace, who gets ahead? And, and he, in his, in his sort of study, found that there were three types of people that are in the world, especially in the workplace and life. You get givers, you get takers, and you get matchers. Givers are people that are always looking for an opportunity to give. Maybe you think of yourself as a giver, but givers are people that are they, they're thinking of the interests of others, they are sometimes even um, in, in, in their studies, you know, they, they, would, they did a survey of um, different, different engineering students, and they found that the ones that were givers or were inclined towards giving would often not finish their projects because they were actually helping others with their projects. They found that, you know, they actually surveyed a whole bunch of medical students and, and, they, and they, they looked at them, and they found the guys that scored the highest on the giver scale were actually the ones that said, you know, I, I, want, to, I want to help people. But the guys who were high on the takers ones, they didn't score very high. And now you're thinking, a doctor who doesn't want to help people. Mm, is that the guy you want to have working on you? But givers were people that were always looking out for others. The takers would always be looking for opportunities to get ahead. How can I climb this ladder? How can I use, oh, and they would even prey on those 
poor unsuspecting givers. I'm so glad this guy's willing to do my homework for me. I'm so glad. Yes, so he's, he's willing to serve me. He's helping me out. You know, I don't have to. And he gets the praise and the other one just carries on. But takers are often looking for that. I don't know where you find yourself in that category. Most of us would think, no, no I'm a servant. You know, I'm, 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 I'm going to give. I'm going to give. But how, what is your attitude? But then there is a very important one that is called the matchers. And these guys basically observe life and the workplace. And they're always asking, man, if there's somebody, if there's a taker wanting to get ahead, they're going to find some way to pull them down, just to equal, equalize things. Everything needs to be equal. I'm just going to match and make sure that nobody gets too far ahead of me. I just need to make the equilibrium sorted. Now, it's interesting to see, though, that this survey showed that the people that were at the bottom of the pile in the organizational hierarchy and, and success and growth, you know who they were? The givers were the ones that in general would perform the least. But you know who was the highest? Many of you will say, oh, it was probably the matchers. The matchers would be the highest. No, no, it was the givers as well. Because what they found is people who have a desire to help others have a tendency to excel actually far beyond because they're building relationships, they're looking for opportunities to serve, they're not looking out for themselves, they're looking for the benefit of the body, benefit of the organization, benefit of those around them, and it's almost as if they got greater opportunities would come their way because people knew, hey, this person's not in it for themselves. So other colleagues would say, oh, let me help you out. Let me, there would be a culture which would, would, would be stirred up. I want to ask you, friends, can we be a church full of givers? Can we be a church that's looking for opportunity to give to people, give to God, give to His, um, His, His purposes and plans? Because so often we want to, we want to l see how we can just equalize things. Yes, sir, I'm just doing my bit. I love the prophetic word that Cherie brought this morning around this reality that we feel like religious. We've got to earn it. And many of you, 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 you're approaching your relationship with God and even your involvement in that way. You're either arriving here and you're just looking for taking. Yes, I like it. Lights are on, coffee's made. Someone's phoning me. Someone's following up on me. Someone's preaching a nice message to me. Someone's leading the worship. It's awesome. I can just enjoy. I can just take, gimme, gimme, my name's Jimmy. Others of us are thinking, yes, I must just do enough, just enough. So I do come to church, and you know, I do from time to time check in at Light Group, and I might go on an outreach or give something, and I just do enough. I just do what is required of me. But friends, if we want to see God change and transform our city, it's going to take an army of givers. An army of people that say, we are servants of the Most High God. We don't serve out of obligation or duty, but because we see the beauty of what God has done in our lives and that He wants to do through our lives. Can I ask you to begin to shift your thinking? Now, I realize that for some of us, you, you think, okay, Gareth, I, I don't feel like I'm much of a giver. So how do I change? How do I shift that? One of the things uh, that, that Adam Grant actually mentions in his book is he says, there's a, a, a man, he's, he's probably considered one of the most successful serial entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley 
in, in the, so he's opened up and started lots of different businesses and very, very successful. He's, he's got one of the biggest networks of, of people and relationships. And the reason or the way he got to that place where now almost it feels like opportunities are knocking at his door all the time is he has this principle he calls the five-minute favor. Five-minute favor. Can you and I begin to ask ourselves in your workplace, is there a five-minute favor I could do? I know it doesn't come naturally to make me maybe to serve or to offer somebody a cup of coffee, or, but is there a five-minute favor? I can check somebody's busy with a particular project. Can I just give five minutes? Maybe in the church there's an opportunity. It's like, it's going to be five minutes for me to give somebody a lift or to phone somebody up or send them a voice note and say, hey, listen, I've been praying for you. That shifts our ability to express what God is doing in us, and that begins to empower us to see the transformation because our mindsets begin to shift completely. And I'm, I want to encourage us that we would see and look for opportunities to embrace this identity as givers, as servants, as people who lay down our lives for the sake of others. Now, there are four Ps that I want you and I to realize. Is as, we, as we serve, as we, as we give, as we seek for the benefit of others, we're going to be looking at a couple of things that you and I have access to as servants of God. We have access to God's plans, His protection, His provision, and His praise. Plans, protection, provision, and praise. Let's have a look at the fact that you and I have access to God's plans. Anybody wants to know God's will for your life? Anybody? I mean, all of us want to know, Lord, what is your perfect will for my life? And many, many people I sit with, they want to have an encounter, like Mary, Jesus' mother. She had an encounter. Gabriel appeared to her and began to tell her about what God was about to do in her life. I don't know what her trajectory, what her plans were. She was maybe in her late teens. I don't know what her aspirations were. Some of the things she was hoping to maybe do. She was thinking of maybe, well, I'm going to get married to Joseph. He's a carpenter. We're going you know, to be having some great times together, build a family, whatever that may be. But now God interrupts her journey and begins to reveal her or his plans for her in her life. And I love her response. She doesn't say to Gabriel, okay, Gabriel, just want to let you know, you know, I'm, I actually still want to do this particular thing. Can, can I finish this particular thing? I, I was really hoping that I could do this. Could I at least first get married and have a big wedding before I have give birth to the Son of God? You know, I, I was planning a trip overseas at some point on a donkey. I don't know. Whatever, whatever her, her plans were. She, her response wasn't, give me the T's and C's. It wasn't, give me all the details. Her response was simply this. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to, be, to me be fulfilled. Friends, God is calling many of you, to do specific things at a specific time. And many of us reject God's purposes because we have all sorts of excuses. God's purposes and plans are evident for us. 
if you want to know what God's perfect will for your life is, just give yourself faithfully to the good and the pleasing will of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, when we have given our lives, laid down our lives as living sacrifices, verse 1, then we will come to know and walk in God's purposes and plan. It says we will come to know His good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. All of us want the perfect will of God, but we're not giving ourselves to the good and the pleasing will. What's the good and pleasing will? It means that I prioritize what God says in His Word. I fellowship with other believers. I come to prayer meetings. I spend time in God's Word. I look for opportunities to serve. I lay down my life for others. I'm a sacrificial giver. I'm looking for opportunities to see God work in my life. Can you and I approach or respond to God's invitation to His plans? Not with our list of why it wouldn't work, why it's inconvenient. But can we say, Lord, just like Mary, I am your servant. I am ready to respond to you. Because I believe that there are, some, there are two ways that we, you and I should respond when it comes to, to that. And I've just seen it in my own life. I, the times when I was willing to do these two things, surrender and yield. Surrender doesn't mean, you know, like some people say, Jesus takes the wheel, you know, and then just off I go. But actually, I surrender to God's plans and purposes. I trust Him that what he has said, that what he wants to do, and I also yield, which means I, I choose to walk differently. I choose to not try and climb the ladder for my own benefit, holding on to my purposes and plans, but I'd rather yield myself to God's purposes in my life. That's when I begin to see his plans at work in my life. I've just seen it so many times, the times when I would genuinely earnestly seek God, and I think there's many people in this room, you've got testimonies of that. You were seeking God, wanting to honor Him in your life, and you felt like this is the direction you're taking, and then it felt like through a whole series of events, clearly God's leading me in this way. I've got to give up this thing. I remember God asked me to close my business that I've been working on for years. I was having the best job ever. I was working from 1, well, 1 till 6 o'clock at night, earning about the same as what I'm, you know, was like, like it was a good life, you know, easy. But God asked me to lay down that because he was calling me into full-time service within the church to bring some of you know, the gifts and the calls and the purposes. Now, that's not what God might not ask you, but I'm asking you, are you willing to yield yourself to God's purposes and plans? Because God will give us access. He'll make those plans known to us. And what I, you and I experience is we, re, we experience great relief. Because I've, when I'm in the center of God's will, I, I experience God's blessing and favor. In saying that, I'm, I'm not saying that I haven't had hard times. And that sometimes I, I'm like, Lord, why have you done this to me? And then I have to be reminded, but listen, his ways are not my ways. His will is not my will. I'm a servant. He's the master. And as I yield myself, I'm safe in his hands. I also experience great joy. I look back at my life since that decision. Friends, I've never regretted it. Because in my mind, I, I can't see myself doing anything else. The second um, P that we have is that you and I have 
access to his protection. I love this story in, in uh, 2 Samuel ch- chapter 10. David, he's this you know, what, famous earthly king. He hears about a king that, of the Ammonites that has passed away, and his son has now become king. And David, being, I think, a righteous and godly man, sends a delegation to this new king to say, listen, I just want to send our condolences and just say, you know, like we're with you. Just like I was with your dad, I want to be with you. But he, this king has all these really stupid, unwise, you know, guys around him. Some of you have those people in your life. Get rid of them. Stop listening to them. Get some good godly counsel in your life. Don't listen to, to the uncle that tells you what to do, that you know, mm, it's always bad advice. Get good people around you. But what this king does is he disgraces these messengers that David sends. They shave off half their beards. Now, in the Jewish context, friends, that is like, it's, it's worse than a slap in the face. It's terrible to be treated that way. And David, it says, is filled with indignation. He, he cannot believe that his servants had been treated so badly. And the story continues that this king of the Ammonites goes and he musters an army, wants to fight against David. And then David gets his army together and he only way, uh, best way that I can say it is in Afrikaans, and he gave them a good clap, a lacquer clap. He sorted them, them out. You see, friends, because David understood that just like his servants are under his protection, he understood that him, as a servant of God, was under God's protection. Psalm chapter 32, verse 7 says, You are my hiding place. He's speaking to God. God, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Can you and I just, when we feel like the, I'm, I, I want to just take matters in my own hands. I want to fend for myself. I want to hold, protect myself, protect my assets, protect my business, protect what I have. Can you and I yield ourselves saying, Lord, I want to come under the shelter of your wings, under your protection. Thirdly, we see that we experience or have access to God's provision. God provides for his servants. I don't know, you know, I have worked for for bosses and masters before in my life that have not given me the tools I needed to get the job done. And then I would have to be creative and figure it out. And then maybe they'll mistreat me. But I've learned then, this is not how I want to treat people, but I've also learned then to be a bit creative in the process. But when we look at God, God gives us what we need. Jesus calls his disciples to follow him. And I can just imagine, yes, James and John, as we've just heard of before. They were fishermen. In the father's business, they're they happy. God calls them to follow him. And I'm sure the thought crossed their mind, but okay, Lord, you know, fishing was how we made a living. How is this going to work? Matthew, a tax collector, he's like, he's tight with the Roman authorities. He's got a secure job. He's making good money. And God calls him, follow me. But as these disciples respond in obedience to the master's call, we see that God provides for them at every level. I don't ever see them struggling. Jesus multiplies the bread when when they needed, you know, provision, God provides for them. Like, I mean, 
it's clear that they were provided for because Judas had the money. He was checking out what was going on the whole time there. So, I mean, if you, you, you don't struggle if you, if, you don't have, if you have somebody that's like checking out the money. Am I right? But God's provision is available for us. And I think I want to encourage us that many times we feel like, you feel, might be, feel like this in your work. You feel like, yes, I'm the giver. I'm giving. And how much, I, how much more must I give? I don't think I can give any more. I think I'm just going to stop serving. I'm going to stop being who God has called me to be in this place. Can you and I learn to draw from God's provision in our lives as we don't seek to take matters in our own hands, to provide for ourselves, but to lean upon God's provision for us? Because Jesus reminds us in Matthew chapter 6, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear, but do what? Seek first the kingdom of God, don't try and climb up, but seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. God is faithful to take care of you and I. He might not provide for us in the way that we would want or we would prefer, but God is faithful to provide for us. Lastly, you and I have access to his praise. All of us want to come to the end of our lives having felt like it was worth it. Am I right? None of us actually, you know, enter into a marriage or a relationship or a business without some prospect of a reward. Am I right? Now, before we think like matchers, give and take, let's just make sure it's fair. Because sometimes I look around and I'm like, Lord, I'm also serving you. But why do you bless so-and-so? Like, and what about me? But when we compare, friends, we, we step into a trap. When we're living for the earthly praise or benefits we have, I think it's a very short-sighted way of thinking. Because God wants you and I to walk in all that He has for us, and He wants us to basically be good stewards of what He has given us. You guys remember the, the parable of the, 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 the talents. Jesus says His master goes away and he entrusts to his servants certain amounts of money according to their ability. One gets one, three, and five. Different amounts in different accounts of the Gospels. But each servant needs to give an account for what was entrusted to them. This is the key, friends. If we want to experience God's praise, we've got to be faithful with what he's given to us. And some of us, I feel like in this life, we're so always looking around, what is somebody else doing? What does somebody else have? What's somebody else been, what's, what have they given up? Oh, I can't believe they gave up all of that. I would never be able to do that. If God doesn't ask you to do that, don't worry about it. It's about obedience. It's about experiencing God's love and grace in your life. As we are faithful with what God has entrusted to us as stewards, what does a steward do? I love this picture. In the olden days, there would be the master of the house, the, the, you know, the owner, the duke, the duchess, the, those who were the aristocracy, the ones that were royal family. But they would have these massive houses and estates. But they would always have someone who was serving. 
over and the head over, and they were called the steward. What would the steward do? The master would provide all of what was needed for the pantry. But the steward would say, I think tonight we're going to have duck. And this is, these are the ingredients. So the steward goes into the pantry, into what has been given, and does his best to ensure that what the master needs is fulfilled. Friends, can you and I begin to look at our lives, not as what can I get from it, but as how can I give back to God what he has entrusted to me? Because ultimately, we're all living for this well done from the master. We are all living for Jesus to say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. I started off speaking about Paul, who was a servant, someone who laid down his life, even though he in many ways could have boasted, could have looked for opportunities to rise to the top. He says, as he's nearing the end of his life, in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8, he says, uh, the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul is saying he has finished the race in his life. He's given himself faithfully to what? But there's a promise not only that he would experience a crown of righteousness, a reward from a heavenly king, but actually is a reward that all of us would experience. Those of us that would yield ourselves to God as master. I want to ask you, maybe to reflect upon your life, to ask, I don't know where you're at. Maybe, maybe you've, you've been hard at work trying to climb this ladder. And the harder you try, the more precarious and insecure and the more you're feeling like you've got to hold on for dear life, to hold on to what you have. Can you and I be a people that seeks to lay down our lives for the benefit of others? As we don't serve an earthly master, earthly masters sometimes lose their cool, sometimes disappoint us, sometimes expect some things from us that's unrealistic. But if God expects something from us, friends, we can, with openness and with willingness, yield ourselves to that. Because when God asks of me to lay down perhaps some things that are drawing me away from it, it's because the sin I'm engaging in is causing death. And God wants to bring me into a place of life. When God expects of me to, to steward what he has entrusted to me, whether it's my time, my treasures, or my talents, that when I yield myself for that, then I receive God's joy and pleasure because I'm fully fulfilled because I'm walking in the purposes and the plans that he has for us. Friends, I want to encourage us that we would be a people who yield ourselves in increasing measure to experience God's plans, his protection, his provision, and his praise. Can I ask us to stand together? Thank you, Lord.